college and career back to the second. <laughs> just to show that, that Brother Bill was right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Excited. There is still a function on the eighth, right? Yes, there is. Okay. But the first kickoff meeting is the second uh, for college and career. Excited about that. Amen. Hey, uh, you know, if you're anything like me, there are just times that you feel like you've been run over by a Mack truck. Is anybody, is that a testimony? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Wow. You know, sometimes, man, it just seems like physically I've just been run over by a Mack truck. And I wonder, who in the heck was driving that truck? Amen. <laughs> I mean, but they got me good. Uh, maybe you feel like you've been run over by a Mack truck sometime, and, and you wonder who was driving. Was it my wife? Was it my husband? Maybe all my kids ganged up in the same truck and just drove over me all week long, amen? Uh, maybe it was my friend that drove over me. Maybe it was a co-worker. One lady said, I am married to the perfect man. You know, that's a lie right there, amen? She said, I'm married to the perfect man. The problem is, he expects me to be perfect too. And after 23 years of marriage, I can't take it anymore. I can't take the criticism anymore, and I can't take the rejection anymore. Man, talk about being run over by a Mack truck, amen? Another person said, my boss is a nitpicker. Y'all know what a nitpicker is, don't you? When something goes wrong, it's always somebody else's fault. When translated, that means it's my fault. He calls it constructive criticism. He says that I'm overly sensitive. But his nonstop criticism wears me down. And every afternoon when I get home, I am exhausted by his incessant complaining. Another person run over by a Mack truck. One lady said, I'm sure that when we said our marriage vows, my husband said, to have and to hold as long as I'm the boss. <laughs> she said, he believes that he knows how to do everything and by natural right, he's the boss of anybody around. Yet another person run over by a Mack truck. Friends, most people like this are master manipulators. But I'm telling you that God didn't create us and put us here on this earth to manipulate people for our good pleasure. God did not put us on this planet to control or conquer other people. God didn't put us on this planet to use and abuse other people. He didn't put us here. He didn't create us to hurt people. He created us to help people, to bless other people. Think about Jesus. Jesus went around doing good to who? Other people. Everybody. Other people. Jesus was moved with compassion for hurting people. Is this not why God leaves us as Christians on this planet? To help hurting people? I say yes. I say absolutely yes. 
Someone put it this way. What Jesus did in his body, we, as his body, ought to be doing through the course of our life. Helping the hurting. Our hands ought to be doing the Lord's work. Our tongues ought to be telling people about the Savior. Our hearts ought to be loving people like God loves people. That's the name of the game, friends. That's why you're here. That's why you're still here. If God didn't want you still here, you'd be in heaven. Amen? It's a handful of you. What about the other half? Amen? Y'all are going, right? What a joy this will be. When Jesus I shall see. Hallelujah. That's the name of the game. We're still here. Why? To help others. To minister to others. To help the hurting. And it don't take you long to find somebody out there who's been run over by a Mack truck. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to believers just like us. And he's teaching them about humility. You see, to be able to help hurting people, you have to humble yourself. Did you know that? To minister to others, that means you have to humble yourself. To help others, you have to humble yourself. And Paul says that when everybody gets on the same page in this humility, and we begin to make others our primary focus, then there is great unity in the body of Christ. But only when we humble ourselves. Today, I want us to consider a few practical things that we can do that will help us to minister to hurting people. Read with me, if you would, in Philippians chapter 2. And again, Paul is writing to believers, so don't think that you're holier than thou, because Paul's writing to people just like you. Amen? And, here, and me. And here's what he says. Therefore, if there is any consolation or encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing, say nothing, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem who? Others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery being equal with God himself. But he made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. 
and became obedient. Obedient to who? The Father. Became obedient. The Son of God became obedient to the Father to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. That means everyone everywhere. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first thing that we can do, practically do to enable us to help the hurting, to minister to other people, is to love generously. Friend, we should love people generously. We should love people abundantly. We should love people sincerely. We should love as much as possible, and we should love as often as possible. I read about one man who at the end of the interview, the HR guy, the human resources man, asked a young engineer who was fresh out of MIT what kind of salary he was looking for. And the young engineer said, well, I'm looking for about $140,000 a year depending upon the benefits package. Well, the HR guy said, well, what would you say to a package of five weeks paid vacation, 14 paid holidays, full medical Dental and vision insurance, a 401 retirement program where your employer matches up to 50% of your salary, and a company-leased car every two years, let's say a red Corvette. And then you just say, wow, are you kidding? And he said, yeah, but you started it. <laughs> Listen here, friends. Most people are out for what they can get in this world. Most people are interested in what they can get, only in what they can get out of life, not what they can give. They're more interested in gaining than giving. They're more interested in being loved than demonstrating love. It's human nature, you see. But that's not all it is. It's also the sinful nature. It's the selfish nature. We're pretty self-centered creatures. But listen carefully, friends. We, we who are in Christ, we who belong to the Lord, ought to be a little bit different. Amen? We who belong to the King of love, ought to be somewhat different. We're supposed to be people-centered. We're supposed to be people-servers. We're supposed to be people-lovers. We're supposed to be more interested in others than we are ourselves. Paul said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you believer Christians, let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Paul would later write to the Roman church of believers saying, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Put others above yourself. Honor others over yourself. Put others ahead of yourself. Now, obviously, we have to take care of ourselves. I understand that. Obviously, we have to take care of our own families. I understand that. But you've got to admit that there are times in the life of a Christian when you've got to go beyond that. You've got to minister to others, and you've got to demonstrate love, the love of God, to others. But for some reason, many of us just don't have time for people. We got plenty of time for other things. We got plenty of time for other places, but just not for other people. Surely we got some time. Surely we've got some energy left. Surely we got some money at the end of a month left for other people. Surely we do. You see, as Jesus followers, we're to love people any way we can, anywhere we can. As much as we can and as often as we can. How do you do it, Bill? It's not as difficult as you might think. How about that thing you wear on your face? That smile. Man, a smile can be very, very warm. What about just speaking to people? How are you doing today with a smile? What about just listening to other people? Helping other people, serving other people. Maybe just taking a little time for other people. Do something for other people. Let me give you an example. Are you a good listener? Let's take a poll. How many of you are great listeners? Wow. Glad I didn't raise my hand. Whew. That's a problem. Most of us ain't good listeners. We're great talkers. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're just not very good listeners. But you know what listening does? Listening shows you care. Listening shows that what other people have to say is more important than what you have to say. Hence lies the problem we have with listening. Listening shows we care. You know, in San Francisco, teenage prostitutes were interviewed and asked only one question. And the question was, is there anything you needed the most but you didn't get? Every single tear-filled response was the same. What I needed most was someone to listen to me. Someone who cared enough to listen to me. 
Are you listening to people? We should all be doing that. Agreed? You know, Jesus was a fantastic teacher. Bible teachers ought to model themselves after the way that Jesus taught. But you know what? Jesus was also a great listener. On his way to preach to thousands, one woman started tugging at his, at his robe. And you know what he did? He hurried right off and left her in the dust and went and preached. Can you believe that? That's not what he did at all. He stopped what he was doing, when he was doing it, to listen to what that woman had to say. There are people all over our community that are hurting. There are people in your circle of influence, I promise you, that are hurting and they need a listening ear. God listens to them, but do we? Listening really is a matter of loving others. When you love other people truly, you begin to listen to them. And if there's one thing that other people need more of than anything, it's love. Love. Dr. Carl Menninger of the famous Menninger Clinic for the Mentally Ill once said, Love cures people. Love cures people, both the one who gives it and the one who receives it. People need to be loved more than anything. They need to be loved liberally and they need to be loved lavishly. And guess what? God has placed us here to do that. To love other people. You want to help the hurting? Start by loving generously. You want to also demonstrate your love and compassion for hurting people? Convert them quickly. We need to convert people to Jesus Christ as quick as possible. You know why? Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't. People need Christ. Why? Because Christ died for people. You think Jesus died for himself? Jesus died for people. The same people that we're called to minister to. People. One day a man was praying every morning and he said, Lord, if you want me to share the good news of Jesus with somebody today, would you just give me a sign? Give me a sign. That day... He was on a bus and this huge, burly man parked it right beside him. Nobody else on the bus, plenty of other seats, and this man parked it right beside him. As the timid Christian waited for his bus stop, this big guy burst into tears and began weeping. And he cried out with a loud voice, I need to be saved. I am a lost sinner and I need the Lord. Can somebody here 
tell me how to be saved. And he turned to that Christian and he said, can you tell me how to be saved? And that man immediately bowed his head and he said, Lord, is this the sign? <laughs> what about you? What about you? What is it going to take? What is it going to take to convince you that people need Jesus? Need a sign? Howard Hendricks said, in the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, set your hearts apart to Christ Jesus and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone to give the reason for the hope you have and do so with gentleness and respect. People need Jesus more than ever. What are we doing to give him to them? I think we need to work a little harder at that, don't you? I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about me. I need to work a little bit harder at telling people how they can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I need to work a little bit harder to tell people how people can be saved from their sin cancer. I got the cure. Amen? Am I willing to share the cure with that dying lost sinner? We need to stop stuttering. Amen? This is a life or death issue we're dealing with here. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul said, be very careful how you live. Don't live as unwise. Live as wise. And listen to this. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days we're living in are evil. Don't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out, does it? Seems like America's becoming more evil as each day passes. And God has called us to share his goodness in the midst of an evil world. One real wealthy woman in Boston was a little embarrassed and actually quite angered because this stranger came up to her and began to share with her how to have a relationship with Christ. Be, started sharing with her uh, her need to be saved. And when she got home, she spouted off to her husband and told him about what had happened. And in anger, he said, if I'd have been there, I'd have told him to mind his own business. And she replied, if you'd have been there, you'd have seen that was his business. As blood-bought believers, we need to do something or say something that will encourage somebody to give their life to Christ. What is our business? To do something or say something that will encourage somebody to give their life to the Lord. That's our business. Our business in the world is to point people to Christ. That's our business. Anyway, anytime, anywhere. 
Let me ask you this. If somebody was evaluating your business, would you get a raise or would you get fired? Love generously. Convert quickly. But there's a third thing we can do to help the hurting, and that is to humble yourself immediately. Look again in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery, being equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God, who has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, humbled himself. Humbled himself in a way that you and I can never really understand. Being absolutely equal with God in all of his majesty, in all of his power, in all of his glory, Jesus took the form of a servant. No majesty, no power, no glory. He was the exalted God and he became a lowly man. Just a poor, itinerant preacher. But that wasn't enough. The Bible also says that he further humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He never had to worry about death before. But now he humbled himself to the point of death. But that wasn't enough. It was a criminal's death. It was the lowest of the low. It was the death of the cross. And then strikingly in verse 9 we find that God exalted Jesus. Hey man, I want to be exalted. Right? Why did the Father exalt Jesus? Was it because he was especially proud of his son for what he'd done? Why did he exalt Jesus? Was it because Jesus was his favorite? Why did he exalt Jesus? Was it because Jesus paid his dues? No. The reason God exalted Jesus was because Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself to do the Father's will to do it the Father's way and to do it for the Father's glory. And I'm excited to give you some really great news today. If you will humble yourself, God will exalt you. 
If you will humble yourself, God will exalt you. Will it be like Jesus? Absolutely not. No man can. No woman can. But do you remember what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 6? Peter said, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he would exalt you in due time. You see, that's how God operates. You humble, he exalts. You humble, he exalts. If you will humble, God will exalt. And Jesus is the model for how we're to humble ourselves. He is the example of humility that we're to follow. Philippians 2, 5, Paul said, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus. Who did Jesus do all this for? People. Why did Jesus die? People. Why did Jesus humble himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross? What's the answer? People. You know, one day a man asked Will Rogers, what is wrong with this world? And Rogers said, well, I guess it's people. He's, he's right. But you know what's right about this world? People. People. How do you know, Bill? Well, just ask Jesus. He died for them. First of all, he lived for them. And then he died for them. People are God's greatest creation. And God put you and I here to minister to those people in their struggles, in their hurts, in the challenges of their life. We must live for people. Jesus did, died too. We are to have the same mindset as Jesus. After all, what was that name that was given to Jesus? What was that name that was above every name? What is that name at which every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess? Jesus Christ is Lord. Is he your Lord? If he's your Lord, you're going to follow his lead. He lived and died for people. Are you living for people like your Lord did? You know, we're going to kick off our Grow Outreach ministry here about a week and a half. It's right around the corner. And the Grow Outreach ministry is not about 
Bethel Baptist Church. It's certainly not about Bill Barlow. and It's not about Kathy Cates or anything to do here. That Grow Outreach Ministry is all about people. Other people. And that's going to take some humbling. We humble ourselves. God will exalt us. We'll let him take care of that. We're just going to minister to hurting people. Do you have seven hours over the next seven months to give for hurting people? Would you want somebody to have given up an hour for you if you were hurting? I would. The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Will you be humble enough to give just seven hours, seven hours to help hurting people? Many of you have already made that decision. But I want you to know that if you're ready to make that decision today, just come forward during our decision time and we'll pray about it real quickly and we'll just let the Lord know that, hey, you're ready. You want God to use you to help hurting people. But you know what? You might be one of the hurting people we're talking about. Maybe you've been living life without a relationship with God. You got no Jesus. And if you got no Jesus, you got no God. You got no God, you've got no hope. And so I pray that if you're ready to give your life to the Lord, that today will be your day. And you can enjoy the rest of your life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.